Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of Naked Lesbian Soul. I'm Joe and I'm Laura. And today we're going to talk about my very first therapy session. Fun times. All right, so I'm just going to dive in. And then on another episode, we're going to have Laura somewhat do the same thing, but she hasn't had any therapy sessions about this necessarily. So we're just going to do the same thing probably on the next episode. Right now, it's all about me. (laughs) Okay, so the first thing the therapist asked me was, what was my first memory? Oh, before that, she said we were going to start in somewhat of decades of my life. And she said, let's go starting from birth to like 10 years of age, which we ended up going a little bit past that age. But then she asked me, what is your first memory? And right out of the gate, I was stuck and stumbled because I don't really recall what my first memory is. I don't eat. And I've been trying to remember since yeah, I don't that. know that I would know what my first memory is. Right, it's so hard. I um, have memories of being young, but I don't know what which my one earliest is, yeah, memory right. is. Or so whatever. that that definitely um, stumbled me for a little bit, and then you know she changed it and she said, "Okay, well, let's start at wherever you want to start. Tell me about growing up, and you know how how it all started." And I just started explaining to her that um, my parents separated when my mother was pregnant with me in Venezuela. They had actually filed for divorce, but there was, is, I'm not sure it still exists, a law that if the wife is pregnant while they file for divorce, that they had to wait a year before the divorce could actually even be processed because it was to it was in hopes that the um, that year would allow both parents to get back together and stay together because of the baby. Did um, they have to legally live together still? I don't believe so, yeah. but the the legal side of it, like the divorce proceedings themselves, were could not, not be initiated. Correct. In, okay. So, because I don't believe they live together, my mom moved in with my grandmother. um, And obviously, they ended up getting divorced after the year. So, I never actually lived with my dad. And my mom was obviously a single mother, and she took care of my sister and I. And when I was around five, we moved to England. And... Interesting enough, my first speaking language was Spanish, but I learned to read and write in English first. Um, So when we moved to England, it was my mom, my sister, and I. There is four of us. We're four siblings. I'm the youngest. My oldest two siblings are from my dad's first marriage. Oh, and by the way, if you hear some weird sounds, our dogs are out here 
and they're hanging out with us. So apologize ahead of schedule because of that. Anyhow, my, um, my, my oldest siblings are from my dad's first marriage and my mom took them in. The story I was told is that their mother didn't necessarily want them. So my mom actually helped raise them. Um, they're a lot older than me and they live in Europe for the most part. And my other sister who's, um, from my dad and my mom, she currently lives in the Dominican Republic right now and she's married and has two kids. So my one sister, oh, three kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, my bad. I left Sam out. Oh, the little one. <laughs> Oops. Don't tell my sister. <laughs> so don't tell Sam. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyhow, um, my mom moved to England because she worked in the travel industry, and so did my dad. But my mom worked for a airline. Um, you know, like a travel agency, and my dad was actually a vice president of an airline in Venezuela. My brother's a pilot, and my oldest sister was also working in the travel industry. So that was kind of, uh, back in the early days, the family route. Obviously, the travel industry has taken a hit way since way back when, and everybody ended up rerouting to a different industry. But anyhow... Um, when, when we moved to London, it was just my mom and my sister and I, and it was very interesting. I saw snow for the first time when we got there to the airport. I do recall that. It was so, we were so excited to see snow. Now, mind you, we just had these little tiny jackets because we had never been in, in, in winter, so we didn't have any winter jackets from Venezuela. And we went out, and I was so excited. I grabbed the snow. I put my hands in the snow. I didn't have gloves on. And I got um, my hands burnt so badly because the snow was so cold. I didn't get frostbite. I was very lucky for not getting frostbite. But um, that was funny. We had so much fun in the snow until I decided to actually grab it with my hands, and then that turned into chaos. Um by the time I was 17 years old, I had been in 10 different schools because my mom just liked to move. She likes to move places everywhere. She still does. Um, God bless her. She kept trying to do it just to, I guess, make everyone's life a little bit better, which is why she wanted us to go to England to learn English so that we would have more opportunities as we were growing up. Then um, we went back to Venezuela somewhere around when I was 10 and 10 or 11. And my uncle, my, my, um, my mom's sister's husband uh, was diagnosed with cancer. Now, he was more of a father figure to me than my actual dad was. He taught me how to do dishes. He taught me how to dive in a swimming pool. 
he, you know, he would take all of us kids on hikes. Um, he, he was incredible. And at that point, um, I was struggling with the church. I actually struggled with the church since, a, since I was very young because, yeah, the Catholic church. Because um, I remember going to the church the one time when I was really little and seeing all the stained glasses uh, with the story of Jesus, and, and I got really scared. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So I, um, I was never really in... My mom tried to take us both to church, and I just couldn't stay still in there because I was so afraid to be in there. What scares you about the stained glass? The story of Jesus. He's hanging from a cross with these massive needles. No, nails. Nails. <laughs> okay. These nails, okay. Okay. and he's bleeding. Okay. And they show the, the Romans, I think it's the Romans, if I remember correctly, whipping him while he's trying to carry the big heavy gotcha. ass cross and all these people are crying near him and he looks so sick and weak and okay okay yeah okay. <laughs> i'm thinking like beautiful okay yeah no i'm okay. i'm thinking murder scene okay you know dexter comes to mind no <laughs> um so when he was ill and about to pass or in the process of passing, like in hospice or whatnot, my mom thought it would be a really cool idea for me to do my Holy Communion. Because she thought that if you were probably the right age at the time. I was, but she also thought that that would help me with my anger towards God because he... In my head, God made my uncle sick. Okay. And <clears throat> the interesting thing about that is that when the nuns would give us classes, by the way, these nuns are not friendly nuns. They're like, you know, ruler. Um, what is it? They'll hit you with a ruler type of nun. And um, I, I I am or was a very lit, literal child. So, you know, when they start talking about Adam and Eve, you know, like in the beginning of the classes, and they're saying, you know, we all come from Adam and Eve. And then on another class, they're talking about, you know, sin and how you shouldn't lay with your siblings or your cousins because then you're committing sin. And then I, you know, I raised my hand and I said, wait a minute. But if we're all if we're all the children of Adam and Eve, then didn't my parents commit a sin? Because then technically, aren't they brothers and brother and sister? So I'm the product of sin. That got me kicked out of the classroom for some reason. <laughs> um, I know there was another one I can't remember right now. Because you're messed up. That's <laughs> I am messed up. <laughs> but you love me anyway. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that was, it didn't help at all with the whole trying to be in tune with God since my uncle was dying because the nuns were really mean to me and they actually didn't even want me to confess in front of the priest because they were afraid of what I would say to the priest. So I actually did my, 
communion with only just, they only allowed me to do one confession and the nun basically coached me through it the whole time so that I could graduate, so to speak. Um, so I've always been against the, um, the church in that sense. And I never understood really why. And it's probably all the shame and guilt that they make you feel. It wasn't coming from a loving place. It was more coming of like, well, you just accept this because we say so. But things didn't make sense in my head. So I can't accept things that just didn't make sense in my head. Um, I think that that's a pretty bold statement coming from a kid. Yeah. Because most kids just listen and follow along and do as they're told. And so I think that that's pretty courageous to have those feelings. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it was also a thought process thing where, wait a minute, you said this the other day and now you're telling me this. So which is it? Because it, it doesn't make sense in my head. Um, yeah, but a lot of other kids, I think, just go, oh, okay, but that's the way it is? Okay. And then if they ask their parents, their parents are like, yeah, yeah, that's just the way we, we're taught to. So just, you know, that's just it. That's mm -hmm. just the way it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I had a little more, more wokeness in me at maybe. the time. Yeah. Who knows? I think so. Um, then let's see. We, we talked about my, um, part of my teenage years in high school. My, my uncle died when I was 11. Then my dad died when I was 16. Now, that was a difficult death for a completely different reason. I mean, all deaths are difficult. Um, but my uncle's, my uncle's death was very difficult for me because not only was my first death, it was someone that was um, extremely important to me. He was, like I said, more of a father than my actual dad was. Um, so my dad was an alcoholic. I, I figured it out by the time I was six, and I know that I started researching around the age of 10 about alcoholism and what it was, because that's when we would go, we would have trips with the school to the library. So I would go to, you know, the health section and try to read anything I could find on alcoholism, just so that I would know what it was and what were the consequences and, you know, all the details for it, of it, sorry. And um, when I was 15, we had never, my sister and I had never spent Christmas with my dad. Now, he would always come over uh, Christmas Day and just hang with us for a little bit, but we actually never spent Christmas the whole time with him. So... He wanted us to go on a trip with him for Christmas. He actually got a trip with through work to the Dominican Republic, and he wanted my sister and I to go. My mom convinced us to go, 
even though neither my sister or I wanted to go. Now, my sister got to leave early because she had bought tickets for this uh, New Year's Eve concert in Venezuela that basically goes from, you know, uh, 10 p.m. at night to 6 a.m. the next day in the morning. So that's how you celebrate the whole New Year's Eve type of thing. So she, she her ticket was to leave like a couple of days before that. While we were there, my dad decided it would be a good idea to not drink on the trip. Now, if any of you know anything about alcoholism, somebody that's an alcoholic and they quit cold turkey, they tend to get really angry fairly quickly. So, and since I never really lived with my dad, I happened to have my period on that trip. And I was a little, well, not a little, I was a lot embarrassed that I had my period and I didn't want my dad to know. And my dad was getting angry with me because I wouldn't go swimming and I would just spend the whole time in the hotel room. And, and he was telling my sister, like, what's wrong with me? And my sister was just telling him that I wasn't feeling well. So one day he comes into the room and I was watching cartoons or something and he, he says, I have to make a phone call, turn it down. So I put it on mute so he can make his phone call. And then he said, put something else on. This is stupid. I said, all right, dad, what do you want to watch? And I start flipping the channels and he decided to watch something about something on the history channel about, um, World War II airplanes or something like that. And mind you, it's still a mute. And then he gets on the phone and he starts talking to the person on the phone. And I switched it back to the cartoons. And then he stops the conversation on the phone and he says to me, why did you change it? And I said, well, because you're on the phone. When you're done on the phone, I'll put it back to your channel. He's like, no, leave it on the channel. I said, all right. So he gets back onto his call, and I changed it again. Then he, he hungs up, and he basically started screaming at me that um, if this is the education that my mother has given me, then what has he been paying for? And I just basically lost it, and I said to him that, bottom line, he was just a donor. He really wasn't my father. And it's because he, he pissed me off by, you know, insulting my mom. My mom did as best as she could as a single parent to educate us, to give us uh, as everything as that we wanted or asked for as best as she could. And she was there for everything, you know, and um, he had no right to blame her for anything when he wasn't even in the picture, we would see him every other weekend just to go to lunch at a restaurant. And that was it. And he would get mad at me because every time I would eat food, I would only have like three bites and I was done. And he's like, why are you making me order this? I said, I'll take it home and I'll finish it at home. And he would just get angry at me because I wouldn't finish it all in the restaurant. So anyhow, that was that big blowout that we had. And my sister and I didn't really get along much when we were kids, in part because my dad would always say that 
I was the apple of his eyes, and he would say that in front of everybody and anybody, and I think, you know, my sister was in a way jealous of it, um, but during this, my sister was like, damn, and she totally backed me up, and she wanted me to leave with her, but, um, hey, you two, knock it off, we're in the middle of a podcast, um, sorry, the girls are wrestling over a toy, hey, Hey, do you guys have dogs? What kind of dogs do you have? We have um, two Boston Terrier mixes. They're 75% Boston Terrier, 25% Jack Russell. They're the funniest little dogs ever. They're actually really good and well-behaved. Anyhow, back to the um, story. Um, and my sister left, and it was like this... Typical movie scene, you know, when the car is pulling away and the person in the car has their two hands on the window and then the other person that's not in the car has their hands on the window running with the, you know, the shuttle away. Well, that was me running behind the shuttle crying for my sister, which was huge because, again, my sister and I didn't really get along. So that was... She was still your comfort. At that point, yeah. Yeah, she was like my safety net, my security my dad actually hid my passport in the safe in the hotel room so that I couldn't leave with my sister. So, I mean, could that be considered kidnapping? Maybe. Right? Hey, you two. Not really, though. I mean, your mom gave her permission. I know. So. Um, so then after that, the relationship with my dad was very strained. And... He started drinking heavily, of course, and he was getting really sick from drinking a lot. So his current, his girlfriend at the time called me one day to let me know that uh, it was my fault that my dad was dying, that I was the one causing him. <coughs> Shh, stop it. See, even she doesn't agree with that. That's right. Um <coughs> That I was the one, you know, making him drink and whatever. So, you know, it it, it was, I guess it was a lot. I mean, I knew it wasn't me, but it's still very hard to hear that when you're 15, going on 16. And that was, yeah, that, that was... That was rough, you know, and then he died and he, you know, he and I didn't have the best of relationships at the time ever, he died. Uh, I don't think you ever reconciled right. all of that. Right. All those feelings. I, I, I would agree with that statement. Yeah, I don't think I reconciled those feelings at all. You know, it's very, it's very um, common in my family that when things happen, you just pretend nothing ever happened and you just keep going as if nothing happened. So you just throw your feelings in a little box with a lock key. You lock them up and then that's it. You just pretend nothing is going on and you just keep going. It's kind of weird now that I'm, you know, not near my family as much. And... That's by personal by personal choice. I mean, I love them, but I can't have them near me. Um, they don't talk about feelings and emotions like this. So, 
then, you know, he died and my mom moved us everywhere and anywhere after that, too. That didn't change. And then she came to the States. I stayed in Venezuela. My mom came to the States first. I stayed in Venezuela because I was studying for physical therapy. And I stayed living with my grandmother who, you know, if it were for her, I would be singing in the church choir. Um, you know, I would go to church every day. I would dress very modestly. And, you know, she also was a female version of Hitler. It was her way or nobody else's way. And she would say to my cousin that she was she was the demon. She was the demon spawn. She she was corrupting me by making me go dancing to the clubs on the weekends. Um, yeah, grandma was a very strong. Is that a cultural thing or a generational thing? Do you think? I don't know because her sisters weren't like that. Okay. My great aunts were so sweet and I mean, but they weren't caring for you and she was right. Right. Well, I did live with one of them after that when my, when, when my grandmother died, um, so I was living with my grandmother. My aunt that owned the apartment that my grandmother lived in was trying to kick me out from the apartment. But instead of telling me, they were trying to tell my other aunt to figure a way to get me out of there. So I kind of found out down the the wood vine. Is that how you say it? No. No. Down the vine? The grapevine. The grapevine. Hey, some vine. <laughs> Um, so anyhow, I ended up moving in with my great aunt, but when they found out that my, that my grandmother had cancer, then they were like, oh no, you can stay because you can take care of your grandmother. I'm like, yeah, of course. Now you want me there. Um, and then after she died, I was, I was out. So whatever. Um, then um things in venezuela got really crazy with the political situation and we had a dictator hugo chavez who never actually was officially a dictator and thank you by the way we're drinking um fruit punch crystal light with vodka so cheers they're gonna start barking somebody's coming up the street <laughs> If you hear my, my doggies barking, it's because somebody's walking by the street. Um, sorry, I keep saying, um, just noticing that. So I, I graduated from physical therapy, and my mom had made it here to the States. And I was living with my sister temporarily. My brother had just moved from Venezuela out of the country, and he was in the process of selling an apartment. He allowed me to stay there until he sold the apartment, you know, under the condition that, of course, I would do the showings for him if somebody would come see the apartment and keep it clean and all that stuff. And, of course, I did it. And so then he sold the apartment, and I couldn't really stay with my sister anymore. So... My mom just kind of said to me, well, why don't you come over to the States and see how you like it, and we'll go from there. 
So I said, all right, I'll go up there for a couple, for a couple months, top six months, just to clear my head and get a whole different perspective and go from there. And I never left. I came here and I started um, looking into school and I got into schools. And, and I, she found me. Yeah. After a, a long time, silly woman. <laughs> it's the most important thing, though, right? It is. It <laughs> is the most important thing. Of all the places that I've lived in the world, I've landed here. And um, I had landed in a little town in Pennsylvania called Westchester. I don't live in Westchester anymore, but that's where I had landed. And somehow I found, of all the people on this planet... I found my love right here. <laughs> She's so pretty, guys. <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> She's, if you hear her crunching, she's eating pretzels. <laughs> Nobody's listening to me. <laughs> yeah, they are. We don't know how sensitive this microphone is or isn't. <laughs> But the dogs are quiet now, aren't they? Because they're looking at me because I have pretzels. That's right. <laughs> That is true. So I went to community college, and then I transferred to university. I got my degree. In the, in the interim, I was babysitting. Tell them why. Maybe you did, and I missed it. Why? What? Why did you have to go to university? Why did you have to get a different degree? Right. No, I did not say that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So... When I left Venezuela, it was starting into this whole political thing. And the university would not give me, the university in Venezuela would not give me my transcripts so that I can bring them over. I needed, the universities in the States asked for course description, not just the name of the course. And my university was unwilling to provide that information, which meant... The none of my schooling after high school was accepted in the United States. So I had to start from zero and start a whole new career. And I didn't know what I was doing because I was in physical therapy. So I started taking like a massage course. For and she gives the best massages. <laughs> um, and she can do my taxes. So there you go. Right? Yeah. From physical therapist to accountant. You know, it's all... It's all the same, right? Sure. <laughs> um, so I started from scratch, and I did a massage course first, and then I was going to go into being a biology teacher, actually. And in my bio class, there were some electives, and I took accounting 101. I think it was one of the electives. Um. And the accounting professor said to me, which is hilarious to me because I actually failed accounting. Well, I didn't fail accounting in high school, but I was not good in high school accounting. Um, thank God for my friends who basically told me, just do this, just do that, and then don't think about it. So I just did what they told me, and that's how I passed. But anyhow, she said to me that I was really good at it and that I should consider it. And so 
I was thinking actually of changing it to business, business management, but the dean in the business management department was a dick. And when I went to talk to him about it, he was totally like, no, you have to do better on this class and that class before we can even consider you. I'm like, wow, okay. And I went to the dean in accounting. He's like, yeah, sure, just complete these other two classes and you can get in. So that's what I did. So I, in the interim of while I was going to school and doing all this stuff, figuring out what career I was going to go after or not, I was babysitting to make some extra money. And I, that's how I met my ex-husband. I basically babysat his niece and nephews for about seven years, maybe. I mean, these kids were my life for a really long time. You didn't babysit them. You were their nanny. Okay. So, like, you, Sorry. you raised them I during the daytime. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's yeah. way more than... Okay. Sorry. That's what it was. I, I was there, and... Um, I helped take care of the kids while the parents worked in the day. And then, you know, it was all worked around my school schedule, of course. And they were great to me. You know, they would take me to the beach. They would, I, I didn't have to worry about paying for anything because they took care of all that. But of course, when they took me with them, it's so that I could take care of the kids. So I guess that's, yeah, that's part of it. You know, we, we pay for you, but you take care of our kids and that's all right. It was all good. I mean, I went to Colorado with them, which I loved, um, to the shore. Um, but that's how I met my ex-husband. Interestingly enough, the parents of the kids started going through a divorce. And my ex-husband and I were the only ones that lived close to them. And we were both single, so we had time to take care of the kids while they were, you know, dealing with their divorce and whatever. So whenever they needed time to go talk or figure stuff out, it would fall between Joey and I in, in the sense of like, okay, who's taking care of the kids tonight, you or me or whatever. So we got, we ended up seeing each other a lot and talking about a lot of things a lot because of that. And it just kind of developed from there into a relationship and we got, I guess, yeah, we started dating. It's funny. It just dawned on me. What dawned on you? Kids brought you together, but you never had any kids together. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. That's very interesting. Yes. Actually. Well, I asked him about the kids. I asked him about the kids and... I said to him, you know, I've never wanted kids, but now that you're in my life and we're getting married or we're married, uh, we had the conversation several times. Um, you know, I don't want to take this away from you, so I'm willing to consider it, but let's talk about it because I'm not just going to pop a kid and you're not going to be present. See, the thing with him is that he worked from 7 to 7, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., Monday through Saturday, by choice. He actually wanted to be out of the house that long. 
And I said to him, you know, if we're having kids, I can't be in charge of a kid. I'm just graduating school to start a career and I'm not going to be a single parent of, you know, and you're going to come at seven and then just handle the kids for an hour before they go to bed at eight. And then it's done. Like I, I can't, I can't do it all by myself basically was what I was trying to tell him. And he said to me at that point that, well, if we had, if we had kids, he would change that. And that obviously, it, it stung a little because if he would change that for kids, why not change it to be with me and spend time with me? So ultimately, that was the downfall of our relationship. He, he really never wanted to be home with me and spend time I think with it me. Took a, I think it took a long time for it you did. to realize that. It though. did. It definitely did. Especially because at the beginning, you know, when you're in a new relationship, it's all so lovey-dovey. And, you know, he used to like holding my hand and he used to like going places with me. And you did a lot together. You worked on your home together. Yeah, we did remodeling the house together and all that stuff. And I thought that that, that was great. But... He just didn't want to really do any of that. And, of course, I found that out after the fact. So. So, there you have it, guys. In a nutshell. And how long were you married? Oh, uh, 11 years. Yeah. Um, and you said from around year five, you started thinking that maybe this wasn't the thing. Yes. Around year five, I actually um, had a conversation with him because I thought he was having an affair because that's how much he didn't want me around. <laughs> I mean, he would come home and be like, when are you going back to Texas? Go, go hang out with your friends. And I thought, oh, how cool is this husband of mine that he's totally willing for me to go travel away? And it's just because he just didn't want me around. So, you know, and one of the convert when we when it was close to the end of our relationship and we were having our divorce conversation, he said to me, you know, there was a lot of things I didn't want to do that I just did because you asked me to or something. And then I would get mad and, you know, I would do things to you out of spite. To this day, I don't know what those things that he did to me out of spite were, and I'm okay with not knowing that. But the fact that I know that he intentionally wanted to hurt me, whichever way that would have been, that really did it for me. That really um, was like... That was the end. That was the end, yeah. You know, I even said to him to go to therapy, and he's like, well, you know how I feel about doctors. And, I, you know, the best way I can analyze that or the best analogy that I have for that is saying, you know, if you're being told your ship is sinking and I'm handing you a bucket so you can start trying to get that water out of the ship, and he's like, no, I'm cool. I'm just going to sit here on my ship. Then, okay. And if you don't want to work on it, then why are we even on this boat, so to speak? So there you have it, guys. That was quite a summary of my 40 years. <laughs> that went quickly. Well, we didn't talk about us. Uh, 40 years and 40 minutes. There That's you go. What it is. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, although she's a little older than forty, I am, I'm just gonna say I am a little older than yeah. forty. Mm-hmm. That's okay. What am I? Forty-three, going on forty-four. See, I didn't even yes, know. yes. Okay, here's to forty-four. Um, anyhow, thank you everybody for listening. Please um, send us some feedback, just even if it is to say I listen. That'd be great. Our email address is naked lesbian soul at gmail.com we're trying to get out there and we'll do more podcasts we'll we'll promise to do them weekly and we'll just do all sorts of topics and we also would really like down the road to have other people's stories because i think it's important for everybody to hear everyone's story because we don't know who that story may inspire to have a better life. And if you have an idea for a podcast, let us know. Okay. Take care. Be safe. And talk to you next week.